Hello, Barry. <laughs> Hi, Al. Adam. I, I'm. There's a. Uh, wait a minute. I have to. I have to accept it. Hold it. Okay. Start again. Hello, Barry. Hi, Adam. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Your new, your new digs. Getting set up. Yeah. Good. I hope everything goes well there. Thank you. Johns Hopkins. It's a great place. I think I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Good. So you were just telling me about, um, so last week you were talking about this analogy of this uh, uh, eight hertz place where it's like, it seems like it's ambiguous between alpha and theta, but it's not just ambiguous, but it could potentially be like a special frequency. And you use an analogy right. of like, changing transmission and like a manual car right You're... yeah well I, uh, for the for the sake of people who are, are not familiar with driving a manual transmission uh, there you can you normal normally you shift from first to, there are uh, uh, four or five gears five or six gears depending on the car and uh, um, the the uh, so you start out in first gear in which case uh, the engine turn, that's maximum torque, which means that uh, uh, you, you start up, you don't have any inertia. If you're starting from zero velocity of the car, uh, you have high inertia, I mean, zero inertia. And then, uh, so you need maximum torque. So maximum torque is uh, a, uh, uh, the engine uh, revs fast and you don't, your ve car velocity is very slow, so you you when you when you multiply the the uh, uh, amount of energy generated by the engine times the slow velocity, you have uh, that's the force that you generate. So you over so you get started in first gear. It's a low gear, but you know if you step on the accelerator, the engine is going to go very fast. If you if you floor the accelerator, the engine is going to go very fast, but you're not going you're not going. The car will won't go at uh, very far or very fast. It's it's a lot of engine activity, but low velocity of the car. So theoretically, that's, that's like maybe call this the delta mode. Maybe delta. Well, that's, that's, that's like sure. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay, that's the delta mode, and then. Um, if you shift into second gear, then uh, the engine can slow down a little bit um, and your velocity is faster. So you make that shift between uh, a, a less of an engine work because you're, you're already moving. You have, the, you have moving inertia. And so the engine doesn't have to go so fast and you are going, uh, the velocity of the car is actually going faster. So that's like um, you can start like maneuvering mode. and taking particular like taking your car. It's starting to handle. Like, at first, you're just getting going, but now it's actually you can like go. Now you're moving. It. Now so let's moving. maybe call this the theta mode. This is this is more like the theta mode. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, and then when you're really moving, okay. Now you shift into third, so the engine doesn't go. You can you can have the engine going even slower, and your velocity is going even faster because you have more inertia and uh so it's that pattern so that's more like the alpha mode and um then you shift into uh, when you when you're going at a, a fairly good clip maybe uh, 40 miles an hour 45 miles an hour no 40 say uh you shift into fourth gear and then you can then the engine goes still slower and you go still faster and you know, go higher, and it's it's uh, uh, when highway, you know, or roads, uh, you go into fifth into fifth gear, uh, and um, you the engine goes even slower, but you're going faster. And then sixth gear, that's uh, you know on super highways, so the engine is going at a fairly low speed, but you're going at a very high speed. Uh, but um, if you try to start if you start from zero and you try to start the car in say fifth gear then uh you have to the uh slide the, you have to let the clutch up very slowly 
to gradually allow the very uh, uh, high, the, the low torque to let the, the car slowly get going. And you have to race the engine and you actually going very slowly in fifth gear. So it's very That's inefficient. me before coffee. Right, exactly. That's, me before my morning before, coffee. And me before my morning coffee. You can't get started. You can't get started if you're expecting to go, you know, at, at super highway speed. I might call that the oh God, why mode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but uh, say fourth or fifth gear is more like gamma, the gamma uh -huh. frequency. Okay, so that's the analogy. Now, the reason I bring that up and why I say, and probably a lot of people know what a clutch is, you know, theoretically, you know what a clutch is, it helps you, it helps you shift. But what, the reason I bring it up is that... Thalamus um, and brainstem? What? I just want to like, would thalamus and brainstem be analogous to the clutch? Um, well, <laughs> um, I don't know. I... I don't know, or stratum? I don't know. Let's keep going. I, I, I don't I haven't thought of what that analogy would be with the clutch. I like analogy. pushing analogies really far, like as far as I go until they break. Yeah, but well, let me let me first get to where I wanted to go and then we can discuss where, where the clutch is in the brain, yeah. if if at all. Um and okay. so so the the reason I'm, I press this analogy is that um for people who, who haven't become expert at, at driving a manual transmission car, um, which is otherwise known as a stick shift. Um, the, the, um, when you get good at it and you have a sense of your own car, the car and the momentum and the engine speed and the velocity, when you have all those uh, intuitively, you, you have a sense, you know, you hear the engine speed and you you know your speed uh, rel relative to the to the road. It's possible to shift gears from first to second, and second and third, third to fourth, fourth to fifth, fifth to sixth, at all different speeds and engine speeds. But it's possible to shift between gears without using the clutch. Everything and just flows. Everything. So at a certain speed, so you say you start and you, you can't really not use the clutch in first. You have to start with the clutch. So you uh, get the engine connected to the to the first gear. And then when you're going at, a, at the right speed, you can just sh slide the, the shifter into second gear without the clutch. And then you're going a little faster and you have the right sense of, of speed and engine speed. And you slide the slide the. Um, uh, the gear shift into third and into fourth and into fifth and into sixth. You can do that uh, if you have a good sense of your car and the speed and the engine sound and all that. And so the reason I, I, I say that is that uh, in relation to brain activity, and specifically, we were talking about the, the, the relationship between theta and alpha. So theta, theoretic, uh, the, the, the range of theta is, um, say, uh, four to seven. But it can go a little bit higher. I've seen in rats, it can go as high as nine per second. When they're really, when they're really paying attention, when they really have to make a decision, like particularly if they're, if they're at the edge of a table, and looking over the edge, the, the theta, which is highly synchronous, highly synchronous rhythmical activity at nine, it goes at nine per second. And also that nine per second is if they're standing up, looking, uh, standing up a wall, uh, looking to, uh, well, just standing up against a wall. But like the, the foraging for information, potentially, like there's something there they want to know. Foraging for information. Yeah. Select, uh, exploring obtaining information but they if they're if they're just uh exploring on the surface of the table uh then it's about seven per second so so the higher so you get a higher speed of of theta when they're really trying to, looks like them trying to make a decision or uh, trying to get information to make a decision um, that's what it looks like intuitively when you look at the animal now the alpha um is the, the power the, higher as well 
It's like so that the, you're saying. Yeah. So well, yeah. The, so, the so synchrony, the, phase the more synchrony, the more synchronized. The 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 uh, theta wave is more highly synchronized. So yeah, the the uh, it's a smoother, higher amplitude theta at nine per second. Yeah. It um, meaning that there are more synchronous units firing. Um, and and then um, the the alpha the, uh, the theoretical limits of the of the alpha the definition limits are about um, it's usually about ten to twelve but it can go down to eight and and um, maybe up to thirteen I don't know but um, it's like if it's, you're really aroused maybe or something. Or, or would it not be arousal though? Really, not a but but really maybe maybe really grooving on your thoughts or something. Um, it's I'm not I'm not sure what what actually can influence the rate of the alpha. Uh, but um, okay, I really want to know that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good question. It's a good empirical question. I don't know, but the point is that. Because the, the range can go from of, of theta can go from four to nine, and the range of alpha can go from eight to twelve. That means that there is a point at which the two are going at the same rate uh, between eight and nine per second. That can be both the theta and the alpha can be both going at the same rate. Now, if that's the case, at the point at that point. If you have theta and alpha both synchronized at, at the same rate, it means that information that theoretically, I, I mean, my, my speculation is that you can easily slip between the system that is being represented by theta and the, the brain system that's being represented by theta and the brain system that's being represented by alpha. Now, let's say just theoretically that the system represented by theta is the internal system, the visceral system uh, involving uh, uh, gut responses and olfaction. That, I mean, you know, the olfactory brain is the that's, you know, typically the rinencephalon and the classic idea of the rinencephalon is where the theta rhythm occurs. That's the olfactory system. And that's related to um, to more visceral sensations. Uh, taste and and gut sensations more related to homeostasis like more related to homeostasis organismically right. okay. salient information highly yeah. integrative related right. to the overall right. status of the organism and its goals right and but the alpha is more related to the somatic system including the, the goal of staying alive <laughs> what including the goal of staying alive which the theta or theta, the theta yeah like, theta. Like, the, like the vital signals yeah the like vital the things, signals vital yeah. signals but and alpha the, you're saying is this more alpha like is more engagement, more proprioceptive engagement, or more interaction with the outside world. Visual, uh, visual sensitivity changes with um, with the function of the alpha. Uh, uh, visual reaction time uh, is fastest, at, as as Donald Lindsley showed. Uh, reaction time is fastest in uh, in re response to a flash of light, a strobe flash, the uh, reaction time to press the lever, press the button for the humans is fastest at the peak of the alpha wave. So that means that there's an integration of a visual and somatic activity, finger press, um, and, and just a decision to make the, the response that is more um, uh, linked to the external world. So maybe at this point of, of synchrony between the alpha and the theta, you can move uh, information can pass readily between the visceral system and the somatic system, the internal world and the and the and the response reaction to the outside outside world that not only what not only can information pass readily, but there could be a confusion. I mean, in other words, a fusion between them that that there's a um, they, 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 they're both on the same page, both the, the, so the internal and external, um, um, uh, processing is, uh, uh, integrated, meaning it's one and the same. 
it, so, it becomes one. It becomes unity. So one okay. is is affects the other, and the other affects the other, and one responds to the other, and the other is. I mean, there's response. There's com there's communication. Immediate communication. Easiest communication is like the moment at which you can shift the the the, uh, the move the shifter from from one gear to the next. So a few things are coming to mind here. Um, uh, one I want to come back to just because it keeps bothering me is now I'm wondering whether like the actual manual transmission might be more like the frontal lobes and like the thalamus and brainstem would be more, with maybe help from the cerebellum would be more like the highly rehearsed automatic transition, but you don't, you can't like, you don't have the exquisite control, but we'll come back to that. But like, I uh, just want to correct maybe what I was saying earlier, but what you're describing now, uh, there's a few like studies I've um, read not too long ago that are coming to mind, but one is just very strongly resonating with me with like the phenomenology of flow like the this um inner yeah, yeah, and outer yeah. engagement I, I read a little bit about flow you're like your heart interesting concept if things feel right as you're doing them like you're, you're right. the feeling and the action are harmoniously yeah, yeah. integrated and this is like associated with like you know like peak experiences but also though this mm. moving between inner and outer uh, attention of uh, consciousness of like more interoceptive or exteroceptive sometimes um them being like harmoniously bound but even like a kind of confusion now i'm also wondering about like um maybe some of the phenomenology of bonding and like things like people dancing together singing together having yeah. sex together like well maybe some some I don't, part I don't of that i don't remember if i told you that um i remember one time i was experimenting with you know being very impressed with in the rat work being very impressed with uh, the synchrony between the heartbeat, the sniffing behavior, and the theta waves, individual individual heartbeat, all going at seven per second. The the uh, sniffing movement when they're doing the exploratory sniffing, inhalation and uh, moving, whisking the, the whiskers forward and back. That's uh, each whisk is there's seven whisks per second, and seven inhalations per second and sec seven heartbeats per second and they're all synchronized and and seven wave theta waves per second they were all synchronized they're all in synchrony with each other uh, it's like that was flow that's like flow i mean i like i uh, thank you for bringing that up because that concept of flow is uh like flow is the moment when you can slide the shifter from one gear to the next, from first to second, second to third, etc. Um, so that I like that idea of flow when, and and the re, and I'm thinking of this time. So I was thinking that, uh, thinking about the heartbeat. Uh, there's also evidence that when when um, during locomotion, the heartbeat is synchronized when the when the heartbeat is synchronized with the movement with the leg movement and this was shown there's an early study by Coleman in 1921 it was the first paper the first first issue of the journal of comparative psychology um 1921 and he what he did was <clears throat> he he went to the zoo and he looked at the uh, looked at animals like the, the like the big cats and he could see the the neck pulsing as um, uh, that, that was but the jugular uh, was visible, the jugular visible. And he could see the neck pulsing uh, in time. And that was a measure of the heart rate. And he saw that each step that the each step that the that the tiger made was synchronized with one pulse of the of the, of the neck. And and then he, he also said that runners, uh, they're running up a hill. Uh, it's difficulty, but when suddenly it becomes this ease of movement, and and th at that point the, the the heartbeat becomes synchronized with the leg movement, one one leg movement per heartbeat. So that'd be like your optimal gait. Easiest. Optimal gait, and and uh, <clears throat> and and um, I, you know it reminds me of a, a, pa a paper by Satchel in the Dogfish uh, Shark that. Uh, they make one gulp uh, per heartbeat, and that means and and she showed that the maximum the the point of the gulp is to bring oxygenated water over the over the gills, and the maximum heart 
the heart, the maximum blood flow is maximum at that point when it's maximally. So it means that the, the, the shark is getting optimal oxygenation of the blood because the blood is passing through the gills at the same maximum rate that the water is passing through the gills. So there's maximum optimal oxygen exchange. And at the same time, there's one swish of the tail of the, of the shark. So it's, there's a one-to-one -one synchrony between the gulp of water and the heartbeat and the body, the body swing left to right. So this which integration, is the main of, integration of this integration of, of neural this, rhythms and of, of physiological rhythm. functioning for like this optimal range. This is a story probably a couple hundred million years old, maybe laid down for vertebrates like like five hundred million years old. I think so. Period. I think so. So uh -huh. I was interested in testing this. So what I did with with my lover. Uh, I, I set up, uh, I had two heart amplifiers and um, a two, uh, two uh, uh, um, battery operated uh, physiological amplifiers. So I, I connected up electrodes to both of us, to me and to her. And um, with, a, with the audio uh, uh, plugged in to it. So we could hear, so we could each hear our heartbeat. And then um, we, we uh, started making love. And when we got into it, into the rhythm, this is not an exaggeration. Our hearts beat in synchrony with each other. It was two hearts beating as one. Literally. I'm not being poetic. It was literally our uh, with the movements that we were making, the the thrusting movements. It was our hearts were beating in synchrony with our movement, just like the damn shark. Sometimes that, nature talk is about, kind and beautiful. Talk about talk about flow. That is flow. It was the easiest movement. We're both moving in synchrony and our hearts are beating in synchrony with this easiest movement. That's flow. Now, so what now happened, what's far, happening in the brain? How far up does this go? Like, like to what, what speed of the transmission are your engines going together? Well, I mean, it was maybe, I, you know, uh, our whole body movement, it was no faster than our heartbeat. It was, so if our heartbeats, well, during orgasm, we measured heartbeat during orgasm in other contexts and a heartbeat can double in frequency. So it can go up to uh, say 100, 130, 130 150 uh, beats per minute. Normally it's about uh, 65, 70, 60, say, say 60, 60, 65 so like delta range, but it can go into the theta range potentially. It can go well. No, 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 no. not quite theta. No, no, low, no, no. It's no, low no, delta it's, versus high it's, delta. It's much slower. It's I much slower. I mean, the heart, a hundred, um, say, say, one hundred twenty per sec, one hundred twenty per minute is two out. beats per minute to per second. You know, normally in resting, it's maybe one beat per second. But it can double during sexual activity, as can the the blood pressure. It can double, but um, so it's but it's synchronized with the movements. You know, if rapid rapid bodily trunk movements, trunk and hips and legs. You know, um, that's that, also together. It's all that's synchronized. Also, that, that's all also synchronized. Going, yeah, and at around at around two per second. You know, at a high that's a high frequency for the whole body to move. You know, two, uh, two per second is something like, that's pretty fast. I don't know if you heard that. Um, yeah. It's about two per second. Um, you know, seven per second, which is the maximum, uh, you know, this theta rhythm, this maximum, that's about, as you, you can't fat, you can't tap your finger much faster than seven per second. That's about something like that. Um, so uh, what the, but you know, 
it doesn't have to be completely synchronized. It can be phase locked. In other words, what we showed in the rats um, was uh, that uh, we, we, we trained them to press a lever for food, for a food pellet, um, at, whenever they wanted, at, at lib, at lib. Uh, so we had the food pellets there. They could press the lever and get the food whenever they wanted. And we, we recorded their theta and we recorded the moment of the button of, of the lever press. We had an electric switch on, this, on, the, on, on, the, uh, on the lever and we also were recording their theta, their, their brain activity. And they were, so they were showing theta activity when they were doing the bar press, making decisions. And uh, now this theta is going seven per second. They would make a bar press maybe once every, um, say, uh, variable time, variable intervals, maybe uh, uh, but once every two seconds, once every second, and then once every seven seconds, once every 15 seconds. You know, it was very variable. But what we, when, we, when we measured when during the phase of the theta rhythm, they pressed the lever, they chose to press the lever, it turned out that they always press the lever at the peak of their theta rhythm. So you could have many theta, maybe theta, many theta waves going by without anything happening in terms of, of the bar press, but when they press the bar, it was always at the same phase of the theta. And by the way, they also released the bar at a different phase, always at a different phase of the theta. So um, maybe the same kind of thing happens with the uh, bodily movements and alpha and uh, uh, theta and alpha that there's a, when the flow occurs, maybe it's occurring at a particular phase of when the, the uh, two systems, those two systems are uh, simultaneous in their frequencies. So another, and another implication is that maybe these systems are all going at their, maybe the internal system, the visceral system and the uh, somatic and the uh, relation to the external environment, maybe those systems are all going at their um, um, preferred frequencies at all times. And they don't normally get linked to each other, but sometimes they do. Sometimes so when you're getting this harmonic singers. coupling. And harmonic like, coupling. To call or, it like harmonious. They call, it, technically, it's called um, uh, loosely coupled oscillators, and that's the example that you that beautiful uh, example you showed of the metronomes, uh, a, 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 a bank of metronomes all going at, at the same frequency, but all out of phase with each other, and then uh, little by little, if they have this um, this uh, movable platform where they can actually influence each other's movement. Uh, it, they're all going at different at different phase relationships with each other, all at the same frequency, but at different phase relationships, and then uh, the, gradually they get in synchrony with each other, and then they're all going at exactly the same phase relationship. That is an example in physics of uh, or engineering of a loose loosely coupled oscillators. That's the technical term for it. And so once they achieve this regime within the rodent, that would be like the paw press at peak theta. And That's then they release exactly. it once the metronomes desynchronize. Yeah, um, well, no, no, they're still, no. They're still synchronized. It, they're just at, instead of, uh, uh, Smaller when they, when, instead of when, when the metronomes all go tick, uh, that's when they press the lever. And when the metronomes all go talk, that's when they release the I, lever. So they're synchronized in terms of like their activity is going low. So it's the upside. They're all excited, but they're synchronized and then losing this less excitation. So more excitation, less excitation. And then at the less excitation or, synchronized. Then or you different release. excitation. Or different. Dif mm -hmm. Different excitation. Maybe, I mean, yeah, you could say that the releasing the lever is uh, inhibition or, but it, or, or release of excitation, but it might also be, there are probably also active, active acts in lifting up the the, the paw to um, uh, release the, the lever. So it may be different active systems 
for pressing and for leasing. And they're also uh, linked to each other. In There's flow. one study I'm going to put into the notes of the video um, when we upload it. Uh, it came out, I think, this last year showing that for um, Lebet experiments where people are doing like volitional pressing oh, of yeah. the button, it actually, it's more likely to occur at the exhalation. And so that seems to be kind of akin to what you're saying of like the rodent, like pressing it, the lever at, at theta, which would be a, 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 a sniffing and whisking peg rhythm. I'm wondering if maybe some of that linkage, I don't know the complete account, but I'm wondering if there's some connection there with the fact that people are more likely to generate volitional actions in these Lebet type paradigms also at the exhalation. And they I should stronger rate yeah. Could be. I didn't realize that in, in uh, that in, in his experiment that it was linked to uh, the time of respiration. Not in his, but in a study. Um, oh, I who did it? Just came out this last year. I'll put in the notes. Oh yeah. Okay. But yeah, this it seems a good amount of this um, account you're saying was conserved in humans. I think so. Yeah. I think I think that's true. And you know we're we're just animals. We're just um, you know we're part of the we're part of the flow, right? I mean, where do you think we came from? And, you know, we're nothing. In many ways, we're we're uh, less civilized than the animals. You know, we kill each we kill our species. Leaves on the tree of life that we forgot that that's what we are. <laughs> we're just we're just part of the uh, we're we're just part of the flow. And fortunately, I mean, you know, if we if we take advantage of uh, the the uh, the fact that we have evolved to this point, um, you know, our bodily systems are uh, uh, are there to for our survival. They're adapted for our survival, and uh, it, that it, it it would benefit us to allow. Our, as we as I you know, we were talking about this um, in in the symposium um, that if we heed our body signals, our body signals are are trying to um, they have we have they have evolved over um, more than a million years um, in the human species and you know a lot a lot longer than that from uh, from the from the uh, other mammalian species and and the reptiles and all that going all the way back maybe at least 500 million probably and maybe sooner like in some ways but i think maybe like un like a similar principle could even apply like like maybe like the origins of all animals in terms of like, like if you think of something like c elegans its signaling might have the same harmonic coupling to its motion and that would be a much older story but Maybe the specific well, relations to physiology well, that we have sure. that might have any, gotten laid down in the Cambrian. Maybe any, any. I mean, you know, maybe what you're getting at. I mean, if I could paraphrase what you're saying, which I agree with, um, is that any any time, uh, any situation in which it's essential to integrate the internal organism the the organism with the external environment since we're all since all organisms interact with the environment and the the timing of whatever is going on within the organism is at a different time scale than whatever is going on in the external environment because there are different principles and different laws involved i mean this organic tissue as opposed to inorganic tissue in the outside you know the environment is inorganic tissue a lot of it uh you know universals whereas the internal organs are uh, are different different it's different matter different material so to the extent that they have to be integrated and have survived it means that they're that uh, what has evolved is mechanisms of integrating the internal environment of the organism with the external reality, with the environmental reality. So there's always, in all living organisms, there has to be integration between the internal and the external. And it can be more or less sophisticated. So, uh, so. Seems harder just... unless though you're like directly coupling. Like I'm, like, I'm wondering in terms of um, 
like alpha desynchronization if like you're in like a tension paradigm and like an unexpected like oddball stimulus comes up you actually will get like this desynchronization i guess what i was wondering is like actually while the outside world it's this challenge of creating alignment there's also this initial challenge of creating alignment between the nervous system as controller and the harmonic modes of the moving organism, like the way you're describing for the shark, like getting those things into alignment, like there's a challenge to build, like it's a constraint and it's, it's tuned when it's functioning well to give you this harmonic coupling. Um, but because like there is like an action perception cycle, like it's within the control, the scope of the control system, even though there's a challenge there of making sure you're in that zone, it's like you can, it's more likely to get this harmonious coupling than aligning to an external rhythm, unless it's something like like singing, dancing, or like the love making you're describing. Like, because the external world is not like necessarily playing nice. Like, like you're saying, like there's a challenge of it. It's not in line with what you're doing. Yeah. But you, in, but in that like ex experiment you just did, or you just described, you were in alignment. And so then you were getting across the two systems, this, um, at Delta, uh, the, the physiological signals were becoming synchronized. And what I'm wondering is how high up does that go? Like, was, was your theta synced? Was your alpha synced? Like, well, it may be that they're not, it's not that they're synced, but maybe there are critical moments when they, when they, their phase, optimal phase sensitivities are linked. That, that, you know, in other words, you, you can't, you can't synchronize, you can't, you can't synchronize two different frequencies, but you can synchronize a phase, a moment, a moment when their optimal or the maximum phase, uh, say their peak, phase are synchronized do you know what i mean i mean uh so i mean that that's you can get the you can get a cross frequency coupling yeah and maybe but, something but special happens maybe something special happens when several different systems are all at a phase relationship in which they're optimally res responsive receptive and responsive to each other when you can get flow among them maybe there's some maybe that's when some special things happen when you get some uh unique quality emerges you get an emergent property at, I would, at, go ahead could it be so at this like fruitfully ambiguous like eight hertz regime or inter regime when, I don't when you say ambiguous I I don't maybe well, well, like, ambiguous, is it, is it alpha, maybe it's it really ambivalent maybe 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 a better term than ambiguous is ambivalent because it means um, two two things that are the same ambivalent 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 rather um, it's not that it's unclear it's it's equivalent in some way we have to think of a different word the ambivalent has like a negative like a connotation also. it's well i mean it's yeah it well ambivalent is, is had negative connotation but if you if if you say maybe maybe they i mean a term i've thought of is confusion where they're fused together confusion in the good sense where you can't distinguish one from the other. They're both equivalent. So where, when, where I want to go, where I want to go you're, is you're talking when, about this con fruitful confusion between your internal and external attention. I, fruitful I confusion. Want those that's, across, what, that's, that's what I mean. I want those couples fruitful across you and your partner. I want to know if we get there in terms of you're actually Yeah, you're confusion. Entering, it's it's definitely like a fruitful people, confusion. Yeah. It's but, but like a confusion who is one across with the heart beating as one, I'm wondering if actually both people are tuned to this like con fruitfully confused inter regime of the inner and the outer being able to yeah. harmoniously couple. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering if that's 
not just like my inner and outer, but because we're both at that point, it's almost like a like a coupled. It's confusion between the two. Yeah. It's it's two two hearts beating as one. It's a confusion between the two different hearts, right? It's a fruitful confusion when the two hearts are going in synchrony with each other. You can't tell which is which. They're few. It's a fusion, and so and that is when the bo and the bodies are also in the same way. So it's like two two individuals as one. It's unity between two individuals. And and uh, it's a fusion. My inner together. and outer. It's a fusion united, together. And your inner and outer harmoniously integrated, but we're sharing the outer. And so our inners are also or shared. Also in our, shared. Yeah. Your hearts are beating so, as one. So the whole, the whole, the whole, it becomes one organism because you can't tell, you can't tell one from the other in terms of the timing of the activity that just about feels what it's like when it's good then when it's good and, <laughs> yeah. and that's talk that's flow when there's flow um when it's complete flow between between two 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 things that used to be one before i forget there's this one other study i'm going to put in the like description of the video thing that one thing that used to be two, I said it the wrong way. I was confused. I'm with you. <laughs> it's it's two things that become one. Yeah. So I don't forget this um, one study. Um, I think it was um, uh, Scott Barry Kaufman and others, but it was showing that highly creative individuals were showing this stronger coupling between like default mode resting state networks and um, I think frontal parietal networks. And so okay. I'm wondering if that's like actually creative people association with flow, whether they occupy that um, fruitfully confused inter-regime more than other people. I think, I think that's exactly right. So I'll put that there too. That's yeah. really, that's an interesting idea. Um, because when that happens, I mean, I would put it this way. When when the, the the resting state activity becomes synchronized with the executive function in the brain, then uh, the executive function is resting. And what happens then when that when there's no difference between those, it becomes responsive to other inputs because if nothing's happening there uh, in quotes in air quotes nothing is happening nothing is happening between the executive and the resting state they're one so there's no there's no um there's no control there they're out of control but in in the sense that they're both going at together there's no there's no uh, relative movement between them. And if there's nothing happening there, then it, it, they, it becomes a, a projection screen for other input to influence it. And when other input influences it, that could be creative because it could Just be diversity. that the, it could be that the, it could be that the visceral, the visceral uh, sensory activity and the, the fantasies generated uh, with, with, that would normally be generated, the dreamlike activity that would normally be generated by the visceral sensations, all of a sudden that creates, that creates the image on this uh, neutral screen. But the, 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 the screen becomes uh, neutral white between the executive and the resting state. So there's no, nothing's going on there. It's just a blank screen. And then that makes it more susceptible to a weak input from the gut sensations that can come in with their own, with their, a new, uh, you know, a new computation. They've, com you know, our guts compute on, on a very different, uh, they, 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 they march to a very different drummer than our executive and our resting state.
but they have their own associative information. They have their a, own. They have I their own memories. I think you might have just explained intuition. <laughs> well, maybe so. I think maybe so. I think that help. might have just happened. That's what intuition is. Yeah, because uh, you know, don't don't downplay the significant, the importance of our visceral input, because our visceral input has respond. Our visceral, our guts always respond to whatever is going on. And I, I like to, we could talk about this next week, that, that our guts are our, um, the, the, uh, our wish fulfillment experience, because our guts are representing the, the childlike, uninhibited, uh, our childlike, uninhibited reality. And um, what, in other words, whatever happens, we can respond the way we've, we've learned, but we also have a, a gut response to it, which is, is not necessarily, which could be a very different language and very different um, uh, interpretation of what's going on. Uh, we're not allowed to express anger, but we can feel anger. And th that has its own beautiful memory system, all working fine, uh, very precise. It's very precise. Our guts have a very precise memory system. So, um, and very complex, just as complex as, as our overt responses, just not as um, highly, uh, it's, it's not as, as um, uh, uh, precisely uh, defined, but it's just as strong and just as real. And it has its own uh, connection to our memory system and our visual system uh, in terms of, you know, our gut sensations generate a very precise uh, dream imagery, you know, so it's not vague at all. It's just, it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a low resolution system, but it has connection to very precise, just as precise as everything else in our brain. So uh, if we let that uh, bubble up, when we're in a zone of um, the the blank screen between the the um, uh, between the the uh, uh, prefrontal cortex and and the resting state, and that's all a blank, and it becomes um, uh, responsive to the the gut input, which has its own imagery. Then we suddenly have some different idea. One could say blank or maybe open, open to open. new experiences. Well, blank, blank in the sense, blank in the sense of um, like uh, uh, you know a, uh, a a blank wall, a blank for a, a blank projection screen. It's a you know a projection screen is blank. So uh, the connections so between openness to experience and creativity. I'm wondering, like the way we use the language we use is actually pointing to this like uh, negative capacity. This um, space that can take in all these uh, diverse signals um yeah i'm wondering if like, this is like, part a, of open... like a projection screen i'm wondering if this is part of what we mean by openness to experience yeah yeah we're not we're not editing anything so the 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 blank screen which is at a, a particular uh zone um blank not in the sense of of zero just that there's no new information, no no control, no nothing going on there. So it's open, but it's open. And and so our guts then turn on the projector and project onto this blank screen with nothing interfering with it. And then we're aware of that because we're not we're not blinded by our executive function. We're not blinded by everything else going on in our brain. We're not we're, we're we can see clearly because we're not blinded by other stuff. And I'm going to revisit this other study um, about um, different, I guess, personality types. And I want to look, I forget who the person's name, but um, it's a creativity researcher and the connections between um, insight-based problem solving and personality characteristics, like openness and tendencies to be sensitive to intuition and rely on intuition and whether actually, um, so like you're, you're basically providing like a fundamental biophysical account of what the way in which we integrate information of different kinds within and without. And, and I think 
we're gonna some already like studies are coming to mind very consistent i think there might be another strong one uh with what you're saying of um uh people who come the personality characteristics of people who tend to be sensitive to intuition and modes of insight problem solving so i'm gonna try to find that and track that down so we can talk about okay. it. Okay, it would be interesting to to see whether they have a low incidence of psychosomatic disease. Mm. I would predict that they would have a low incidence of hypertension, ulcer, um, asthma, um, mm. bowel, uh, you know, all the all the uh, urticaria. This rash, all the classic um, psychosomatic diseases, I would predict that those people would have a low incidence of it relative to um, people who are alexithymic, which means that they don't have, literally don't have words for feelings. I think you might have also just operation or explained heart connection, or we're getting there. Heart connection? What do you mean? It's, heart a, it's, it's, a, it's heart a term connection. sometimes used in like the new age for like a way of being of that's like sensitive uh, to like basically your heart information. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's that's, associated that's, with like a different way of being in the world and a different kind of personality. I you have to you have to educate me on all these uh, on all these new ideas. My jargon. <laughs> all this all this stuff because you know. Um, I, I I can understand uh, what they're talking about, and I, I see I it seems to fit in with. Um, I mean, I have a different a different um, approach to it, but uh, I'm interested in in those kinds of things because they're describing some they're describing a phenomenon or they're very, all these things that you're bringing up. You're describing phenomena, and it's a challenge for me to try to interpret them in terms of what we know about brain and body function so and evolution so um you know I, this is a very very stimulating uh conversations for me you know because I'm, you're, I'm loving this so me too this is great so uh so to be continue i noticed yeah. that uh it's 11 59 they'll deal with it you have to get going <laughs> um so uh to be continued next week next week yeah. What uh, What time do you want? Um. Let's see. Uh, shoot for eleven again. Eleven. Okay. Sure. I think that's okay. Unless uh, otherwise, uh, unless something else comes up, I'll keep you posted. Talk to you soon. Okay, Adam. Take care. Have a good week.